You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom Bracha. This is On Principle, Challenges in Jewish Education with Rabbi John Kroll of Salanter Akiva Riverdale, one of the premier educational institutions in the United States. John, you know, we're supposed to do this once a month. It's, I think, been six weeks. I mean, we had a special episode after the Capitol insurrection, the assault on American democracy, and the, we, we almost lost our country, and I wanted to get your input. But it's been a long time since then. It's, um, and uh, I know that in some ways you just are sick of COVID, right? You're sick of everything COVID 24-7. Right, I'm I, sure. to, to a certain extent, although I, I actually, speaking of COVID 24-7, I, I, I am actually living in quarantine right now. I had the good fortune. Uh, we are actually on vacation this week. And so my family and I, we had to, we had to uh, w- look for warmer climes. We actually went down to Florida for a few days to, uh, you know, enjoy a little sun. Got back last night and I'm now, you know, as per New York state regulations, confined to my house, which means I'll be davening b'yechidus this Shabbos again, which is, uh, I haven't really done that in a few months, but uh, yeah, living COVID 24-7 right now. Well, jump in the water's fine as somebody who, you know, it isn't that bad. It's actually, it could be very, very positive. And it's, you're, you're lucky, of course, you're out of school, but, right, because I think uh, SAR and uh, along with Ramaz and some of the other um, schools give off this, this week, right? Yeah, we give off this week. We give off the week before President's Week, uh, as a nod towards, uh, I think parents really like it because, you know, in normal times, certainly it's it, when travel is a little more free, um, this is a, you know, it's a little easier to travel before um, this week, before next, before President's Day than it is to travel next week. So Sure, sure. You want to be able to uh, get people down on their vacations, hopefully not super spreading events, but vacations yes. that are positive indeed. Um you know, John, one of the the uh, aspects of uh, that you're that's so prominent now, uh, and and it's an educational aspect. But I was reminded of it, although I didn't see it. I heard about the fact that the most important event that's probably going on in the United States today, um, the trial, the impeachment trial of Donald J. Trump, uh, was begun not necessarily with oratory. And with brilliance by, I think one of our, uh, we can be proud of, right, Jamie, um, Raskin. Jamie Raskin, one of our one of our own chevra, um, uh, being defended by one of our own chevra, but, uh, right, Shine, the uh, the right, Baruch Hashem, this is very makbid on 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 brachos uh, and things like that, Baruch Hashem. But one of the things what I found interesting was, well, I'm going to show you a movie. Right. I'm going to show you a movie. Okay, look, we've got a case. We've got a whole thing. But the way you're going to really learn about it and understand it and process it. Watch this movie, please. Okay, watch this movie. 12, 13 minutes. And then I'll be able to instruct, inform and give you the idea. And that really, as you know, you you, you might remember from your days in Hillel Torah and in the academy um, when the teacher was punting. When the teacher wasn't necessarily able to uh, do his worksheet and get everything ready and wasn't able to, uh, to come up with an interesting game in the class for the math to work or for the science to work, he brought out some sort of old 
science video or science instruction, and the kids sat there and watched the screen, um, especially. Now, let's talk about this. Um, we definitely live in a world that film has been powerful for, for the last 120, 30 years, but it's almost so overwhelming now that you would probably have a big time on a teacher who just did instruction and even though it came up with interesting games and ideas without the use of video material, right? Yeah, I think that's true. I'll, I'll t- first of all, point out, I, I think the, the, the use of, you mentioned about the, the video in the impeachment trial, and I wasn't watching it live, I was just sort of like reading about it afterwards. Seems like it was a very, like, you know, um, it was very content, powerful and contentious. You know, in other words, the, it's interesting that the, the sort of issue you raise, I think, is very much the issue that was raised by the lawyers in the impeachment trial, which is to say that, you know, um, you know, Jamie Raskin used the video to show the gravity and to remind people of what happened and to make it feel very, you know, much more real than maybe his words could do. And then you found, if I'm not mistaken, the president's lawyers who were kind of chalking that up as, as emotional manipulation and not really germane to the, to the uh, topic, you know, the fact of the matter is, the question or debating as to whether or not the president incited, uh, you know, the insurrection, not whether or not like the, you know, uh, the senators and the, and the um, Congress people were feeling distressed and in danger at the time, you know, that, that, sure. that very question as to whether or not the film was, you know, kind of being used as a crutch of sorts or something, or as a, as a, as a misdirection um, is actually uh, on topic um, as far as the impeachment trial goes, which I thought was interesting. And I, and I also, but I, you know, it's, it, you see the power of it. I was reading this morning, the paper said that, you know, the, uh, the Oklahoma Senator, James Lankford was, uh, they, they said, they said he was uh, tearing up as he was watching it. That had to, you know, it was very emotional. Um, so it does not, have- not exactly what you want to, although it is a lot of legal trickery, you know, we've, we've, but, but in terms of pure education, yeah. obviously you want the total person involved, but you yeah. don't want it to just be an overflow of emotion and feeling. You yeah. want that idea to be there. And, yeah. and right. Which, which, right. Which is like the kind of the way I see it, as far as education goes, um, you know, because, there's so much available online that can be used as a crutch, as you sort of alluded to earlier, where you would think that sometimes like, you know, a teacher who's unprepared to like quickly will search, you know, the internet uh, over breakfast. Oh, 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 what am I going to do? I'll show them this half hour uh, video in class and then talk to them about it for the last 10 minutes of class. That's obviously lazy and not good. Um, but I would say to, mine the internet for really interesting kinds of things that can help me kind of teach what I want to teach is like incredible. It's incredible research. The teacher who's good at that is a much more powerful teacher than uh, the teacher who's sort of like, you know, is, is, is unaware of what's available online. Like I, for example, I just, you know, I'm teaching this class in um, uh, 12th graders, we do the second semester, we teach this like uh, this Jewish identity class. We can mix things up a little bit second semester, senior year, to kind of give them different things that don't really fit into the regular curriculum of our, you know, Chumash, Navi, Jewish philosophy, et cetera. So we were talking a little bit about like, you know, contemporary Jewish identity in America, looking at different, uh, you know, uh, denominations. 
talking about it. And when you're able to show a speech of, you know, you could talk about Toto Mado, what modern orthodoxy is, what YU represents. But if you're able to show a two minute clip of Rabbi Lamb speaking about what he sees as Toto Mado, as opposed to Torah in Parnassa, um, and like that highlights, makes the same point I would make, but it shows kids, oh, this is a, you see Rabbi Lamb, there's a certain power and a majesty of hearing somebody, you know, regal like that speak. And if I were to just show that for a half hour in class, it would be boring. And they'd lose, oh. but if you show for two minutes and then that triggers a conversation, that's like, you know, that's a, that's a great, and you could, you know, that's a great use. And I think that people find, I think that a lot of teachers um, kind of like, you know, share with each other um, how to use different kinds of clips like that. That's different, though, than kind of like building a class off of, you know, important movies, for example, which you could do also. In other words, like what Jewish kid would not be more enriched by watching the Truman Show and talking about like, you know, that's impact that, that impact on how we think about, uh, you know, our, you know, the, the reality and the role that. HaKadosh Baruch who plays in our lives and like the, the matrix, like there's a whole, like you've got a whole, I'm, 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 you know, I'm quite confident that if you were to spend five minutes, you could probably sit down and write an incredible curriculum of the most important philosophical movies to show kids that could enrich their lives. Right. So I actually have a taught film, as you know, mm-hmm. uh, and I, uh, an SAR, I made use of film, uh, mm-hmm. the Kabbalah tunes, of course, uh, that was, uh, Chabad was very, very happy about my use of Kabbalah tunes. And of course, we actually got a, uh, uh, a reporter come and watched them. And actually, the creator of the Kabbalah tunes came. Yes. And um, I was part of that second semester interesting uh, uh i forgot what it was called but the electives and i know that uh-huh. uh you know, so i understand what you're talking about and i and i agree that we could probably show that let, let me just let me st- take it back for a minute uh 30 you talked about you know the guy the lazy guy now he's lazy even though the movie that he spoke that he picked is an incredible teacher who's showing them and the graphics that the and the animation that might be there are also fascinating. What the problem I think that you have with it, even though there's a 10 minute discussion afterwards is, you don't know what was going on in the dark for those 25 minutes, right? Yeah. Right, 100%. in other words- It's all about, it's, it's about a simple thing. It's about the level of kind of attentiveness and action, activity of kids. If you're even in a regular class, if, if, you, if I'm just sitting there talking to the kids for 40 minutes, I could be the same thing as a mo- as a boring movie. <laughs> yeah. And I'm saying that that doesn't, in other words, the movie, if the movie is purely, um, you know, uh, passive experience, watching experience for the kids, it's also a waste. That's why, you know, the more a kid is actually being productive during class, the more they're going to learn. There's a great, uh, and I'm not sure if you, you know, a lot of high schools, are now using a, a really good uh, web-based um, kind of educational platform called EdPuzzle. Um, it's kind of came out a bunch of years ago. I mean, not that, I mean, I'm not sure how long ago, maybe five, six years ago, um, where, in which it's really great. What you do is um, you have a video and you embed in the video questions, 
so that students can watch the video on their own and they can't go on until they answer particular questions that you've asked. Mm-hmm. And they don't have to be just like, you know, uh, you know, joke sorts of questions, like, you know, you know, just to keep them honest. They can be serious, thoughtful questions. They ask people to respond to. And that turns the watching of video into like a much more interactive experience, which is that's how the kids are going to learn more. And that's right. that happens at home, right? That happens when they take when they go home with it. Yeah, you right? could do. Yeah, I think I think the usual way is to use that in what they, you know, the jargon is like, you know, the asynchronous learning where kids would do that on their own. Um, but the, you know, the, the truth of the matter is, a lot of some teachers in school will um, will give te- will give kids like, you know, here here a teacher may record himself and say, listen, you, I'm going to read the Gemara for you. Have a bunch of questions. Different people. Some of you may be able to grasp it in as I speak for five minutes quickly. Others you might want to rewind and go back. So here, here I am reading the Gemara. Take your time. Here's 15 minutes. Here's me reading the Gemara for five. Minutes. Answer the questions. Go for it. And you might. And the kids could sit there with their headphones on. And I have found I've done that sometimes. When I've done that, it's been very effective. Yeah, especially again, as as you, you, the most important thing in giving any speech class podcast, know your audience, know who they are, and 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 clearly these children that are under your guidance, who have come into your auspices, their way of thinking and learning and processing needs to be addressed. And obviously, uh, they've been they've been touching the iPads since they were three or four years old, and to not have instruction include that would be disconcerting and would, would would hinder them. Let me just, let me go back to another thing that you said um, about, uh, and it's true, I actually um, did create a number of courses in uh, Jews in the American uh, cinema, uh, the role of African Americans and Jews in American cinema, putting them together, watching that. And when I would teach my students uh, what I did, and it was very frustrating to them, and I wasn't sure if I was correct or not in, in, in hindsight. I would stop the film after four or five minutes. And then I would stop it and say, let's talk about this. And the kids would constantly groan and be upset because I was sort of like sinking them into masterpieces of film and cinema and ideas. And then stop the movie. Let's talk now about it. Let's open the lights, please. And, and people thought that they were, they were upset. On one hand, they had never been exposed to, to ideas like this before in film, but they weren't able to settle and become part of it. So that's what I used to do. Uh, mm-hmm. I would break a film up over a number of days or stop within. Yeah. And, 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 and I thought at the time, like you say, I had captured a lot of masterpieces, a great American and, and European films that could really make a difference. Parenthetically, one of my ideas was to get them into cleaner, better entertainment as opposed to you know um you know take your pick scream yeah. 25 or fast and furious 19 or um you know whatever film it was uh, that would rip your jugular vein out so that was part of that was part of my whole idea there but i had i got pushback even from my administrators who would say you know the kids love the fact this film but they want you to they they they, they don't like stopping and uh um, so it, 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 I, it is, I don't, I didn't really have a great answer. What do you think? I, I think that I, I would agree with what your instincts were there. It's kind of, you're treating like, you know, here's the thing. 
the way I think we're talking about two different kinds of use of film in education. The way we're talking about it right now is thinking about film. It's more similar to using it as literature. You know, right. just like of course you'd you'd yeah, a teacher is teaching a book would you might read a couple of chapters and then talk about it. In the same kind of way, you know, you're that's what you're treating the the film like that. And that should be I think I think that's an effective use uh of film. Right, but 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 it's different than necessarily um, if you're teaching, let's say, uh, what you were talking about, Jewish identity, and having a two-minute statement of Rabbi Lamb versus, yeah. let's say, the Munkach Rebbe screaming about the Jews in America, what they have to be like, and then contrasting Norman Lamb to the Munkach Rebbe, then you would you would obviously correct. You just become a living textbook with a little sidebar. Correct. In other words, the way I. The way I had been, I think that the, the two ways we're talking about using film, one of them is the way that you're, you develop your class, which is basically film as film to inspire people towards, but, but studying the, the film is, is like what, it, is what it's about. As opposed to the way I was talking about a different use of it, which is to use film as a way of, uh, whether it's trigger, triggering conversation or enhancing learning about a particular topic um but that would be also you know that's almost thinking about it very often as like you know kind of documentary or or non-fiction right. kinds of but, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what again and this is not a show for me to yeah. um spread my wings although as you remember at one time i was thinking of creating um uh, a, a complete curriculum and selling it i think mm-hmm. podcasting i think is uh is, is more up my alley right now, but that's what I was thinking about doing, but I'll give you two examples. Mm-hmm. And one of them I did in SAR and one of my great colleagues there uh, stole it. And I was very happy because I, I, I let her steal it. Um, there's a sugi, for example, of, of shlichus, the sugi of, of, uh, of shlichus yad, of, of, of whether you wanted to steal something, right? If you're a shoimer who wanted to steal something, and you, then you become completely high of an onsen. In other words, if I'm a shomer socher or a shomer chinam, and I take something, but then I really want to take it from you, mm-hmm. that moment can become the moment that I change from being a careful bailey to a thief. And therefore, once I'm a thief, lightning will strike this object and I will have to pay for it, whereas I wouldn't have to pay it before. And I need to take a shavuah that I wasn't a shaleach yad. Well, everybody can be tantalized by the prospect of taking something, but then there's planning to actually take it. The difference between fantasizing and planning. So I knew about a Twilight Zone episode which I think you might now remember now that I'm talking about it, which had the great Dick York, the original Darren, of course, was in it. And he was given the ability to read people's minds. And he was able to see that, uh, I think his name was Mr. Smithers, although he wasn't connected to the Simpsons character, wow. but, but he was actually able, Smithers was fantasizing constantly about stealing you know, he had been in the company 50 years and he's constantly talking about robbing the bank in his mind. And because he could read his mind, he got the, uh, the, the guard onto Smithers. And of course, Smithers went into the back. He comes back out of the, 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 the safety deposit area, out of the safe. And, you know, Darren, uh, I forgot what his name was, Mr. Poole, I think his name was. Mr. Poole decided, go get him. I know he's really got all the money. Of course, he didn't. 
But then Mr. Smithers tells Mr. Poole, you know, how did you know? I think about that all the time. Of course, I'm never going to do it, but I fantasize and think about it constantly. And this film in 22 minutes was able to create the idea, the murky part of where our thoughts are and uh -huh. the difference between what I might desire to what I'm actually the movement between desire and planning in a way that I could talk about it till I was blue in the face, but I wouldn't yes. be able to, to make yeah. that clear. hundred percent. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Now, but I, I thought you were going to go more in the direction of the Machlekes Rishonim in terms of uh, how, how one is over Losach mode, whether it's uh just b'machshava, or whether it's whether you need a ma'ase. All right, yeah, I was saying even b'machshava. Yeah. I was being more dacustic. Yeah, even yeah, yeah. E even in machshava. Here's another example of something that I used. And again, it's not. Although, let me explain something, John. This isn't my show about, you know spreading my wings but what i did through the show was tell them about what the twilight zone was yeah i told them about why people liked black and white why it was interesting yeah. and the kids so the kids were really absorbing little factoids yeah give you the, all that me, stuff all that stuff is critical and i also think that you know just to highlight something you had mentioned before but just to you know raise the profile of this idea which i think is really important it's you do a great service to your students when you're able to kind of convey to them, there's a hierarchy of popular culture, of, of non-Torah culture, that there's like, you know, not everything is, it's not just Torah and everything else, that the everything else has some kind of hierarchy. There's stuff that's like, you can actually learn from and become like, you know, better because of, and there's also nonsense that you should ignore. And so I think by, by um, kind of like emphasizing that in your teaching, I think you're really t conveying a really important, you know, really important lesson to the yeah, students. Uh, I'll tell you one other one that I, I, I th that was a little bit different because it wasn't 22 minutes, but it was. And those, you know, all your Netflix people all know about this now. But it wasn't so it wasn't in everybody's consciousness, uh, you know, when I was teaching about it, you know, 10, 12 years ago, I was teaching the Rambam uh, of what Hilchas Talmud Torah. Uh, and, and what does it mean to have covet of a Rebbe? What does it mean to actually, uh, how does a Rebbe act? I showed them the Karate Kid. And Mr. Miyagi's Hanhogos and Daniel's confusion about wax on, wax off, his confusion about what was going on, his, the, the discipline that, that he needed to learn to finally become great and realize what his Rebbe meant and his Rebbe's distance showing Ava and Yira, showing covet. you know, I'm, I'm telling you, it was, and then we actually, you know, we did a whole, um, you know, a, a series of, of, of studying the Rambam, seeing the, the Nakudas of, 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 of what does it mean, covet Arav? And it was really, in a way, something that had I just taken out Rav David Salvechik or Rav Hutner or some other great teacher, it would have yeah. been it would have been lost. This was something where, again, making use. But I don't know if it would have flown because I needed to show the movie over a couple of days. Yeah, because yeah, I, 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 I needed to I needed to basically, and I knew unlike the we talked about being bored after 20 minutes and the kids are just sending uh, little, you know, uh, spitballs and little love notes uh, to the girl next to them. I knew that they were into it. I knew that they, you know, they were, th th I could see, I would walk around yeah. the room and see that. Now, what would, again, would that fly in SAR if, if you could do it, be it, be it? 
I'm not sure if the, yeah. But by, by the way, that's not that. There you go. Maybe, maybe what you do is you have it dubbed. You have it dubbed. <laughs> Miyagi. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I think this, I think you're the question of time like that is a real question. I don't know the answer right now. I mean, I was like, you're right. If, you, if you're spending, you know, say you've got four or five periods you're meeting a week, and let's say, let's say you're meeting four periods a week, and three of those periods you're watching a movie. And one of those, then it, I don't, I wouldn't see it flying, but I could see flying though, is if you actually, again, for me, it's the question of, of like interactivity. So if you have, if you're actually breaking it up so that you're first, like, you know, you're doing every day, you're watching 25 minutes and you're doing something about what you saw in those 25 minutes. I think it just makes it easier to uh, kind of like transform that into something. That feels I, a little you know, what I would say is for it to work is that you somehow, especially in the Zoom era, you know, the kids will watch it and then they come into class yeah. the next day and then, you know, you play act. No, it's okay. I want, okay, everybody remembers that scene where the wax on, wax off. Okay, right. I, I want you to be Miyagi. I want you to be Daniel. And yeah. I want you to, uh, and then having them play off that. I think that that, you know, so it, it clearly yeah. is. Uh, I think that's very powerful. Um. You know, in a way, this really gets back into the sage on the stage versus the guy to the side, right? It really gets back to what a teacher is supposed to do. Um, you know, what is what is the purpose of instruction? Right? It's it's so it's really not we're not really just talking about the use of uh, films and snippets and and things like that. Um, l- let me ask you another question. One of the things I got, uh, I, I would be you know be very careful about, especially when I taught in a, um, in a Sephardi school in near deal, um, we had to be very, very careful. Of, and I did show them little s- film snippets. Do you believe that there should be a, um, the censorship? Again, let's talk about that for a second. If we know that the kids at home are, are seeing, you know, are hearing four letter words and things like that, um, do you believe there still needs to be uh, these? The school has to be different. That once you come into those hollowed halls, yeah, I know you guys are probably cursing and you probably are watching these type of scenes, but there's still this idea that whatever is shown within the school has to be PG at the worst. How would you react to that? So I'll say like this: the I think I think that the answer is. Basically, I would agree with that. There has to be a distinction, but I'd say it's the same kind of question comes up as far as literature goes. Um, you know, I remember a bunch of years ago, there was a you know, big question. I don't think you know, let's say I reads this anymore, but there was a question about, let's say there was, a, there was a, I think it was a Toni Morrison book that um, The Bluest Eye, I believe it's called, and there was a scene in the book about um, it was a, a a scene of incest. Um, I remember somebody asked me about it, and so should we have that in the school? Should we read that in the school? Is it too much? Is it, you know, the books otherwise good? I remember. I thought, oh, let me take a look at it myself. I'd never read the book. I read like that chat. It was it was seared into my brain. It was so beautifully written and so awful and disturbing. That I felt like at that time, okay, that's that's that was too much. I don't think that's something that would be 
kind of the developmentally appropriate. Now, again, I think for a certainly, you know, a, and I, I said at the time, a, a, um, a 12 year old absolutely should not read this. A 25 year old certainly is okay reading it. Um, question is, at what point is the, you know, the, do you make that, you know, the, is there a tipping point where it seems like it's appropriate? I think you have that in literature. I think you'll, but I think it becomes more extreme um, when you're talking about it in film. In other words, there, well, well, how about Schindler's List, the very famous scene right. in Schindler's List? We would, I haven't, we, would, I, we would take out, we would, we would edit out nudity uh, if showing in school. I think there'd be no, no nudity at all. Um, I think that the certain sensitivity towards, um, you know, I think that, you know, your certain sensitivity towards language, um, I think would basically be better, but I think we'd be okay with curse words uh, that, you know, maybe, maybe not like a, you know, a Pulp Fiction kind of, uh, you know, stream <laughs> uh, of curse words. Uh, you may not be showing much Tarantino, um, yeah. but, but like, you know, the kinds of things that would, that the curse words that would typically show up in a PG-13 movie, I think would be fine. Uh, and violence? Yeah, I feel bad saying <laughs> this, but I feel like no one cares about violence. <laughs> I hear, I hear. Um, so I, I guess uh, some of the uh, so Inglorious Bastards that could Inglorious Bastards that that might be able to be shown in uh, in. Uh, I remember in, uh, once debating as to whether or not we should, in in some context related to Yom HaShoah, would it ever be, you know, appropriate to show something like Inglorious Bastards? to kind of high, you know, it's got to use that as a trigger to talk about, you know, how we envision uh, the Shoah. Um, there was a sense of time, I remember saying that, that, that this is important. This might be a good film to watch, but not on Yom HaShoah. On Yom HaShoah, it should be much more about the act, what actually happened than, fan, than like, you know, the fantasies about what, you know, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. I actually, I would, I would have sided with those who say, "Look, you know, we're so many years removed from the Shoah. They're used to seeing, you know, the sorrow and the pity. They're used yeah. to seeing, um, um, you know, these images. Wouldn't it be fantastic? In other words, part of the question might be, is it, is it wrong to fantasize with of a different ending, or at least? to, to yeah. think about Jewish revenge. And, and I know that that was one of our themes of the Shoah when I was in SAR was mm-hmm. how important should revenge and hatred be? How, how much should we move beyond? And how much should we be even in Yom HaShoah um, uh, buck, you know, buckling under, you know, and perhaps not you know, going, yeah. moving beyond the Shoah. So I think Inglorious Bastards would be yeah. a very great way to do that. But, By the way, once once you mentioned Glorious Bastards, can I ask you a question? Your opinion on this? Did it seem to you that um, Inglorious Bastards and Django Unchained were basically the same movie? One was like a revenge fantasy about for Jews, and one was revenge fantasy for blacks. It's basically the same basic idea. I would say yes, but I think the here's one of my problems with Inglorious Bastards. I think you were the one who. Um, I think you gave me a DVD once to watch, and it was the first time I saw it. Mm-hmm. So that's 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 kudos to you. But I would say one of the things that's different about the two, um, Christopher Waltz, of course, is 
fantastic in both of them. I mean, you, you know, and I think he's married to a Jew, isn't he? Isn't he? Or is there, he has some connections to Judaism, I think. I don't know. I think somebody is, you can look it up. There's a Geert Sedek in his family. Somebody is Jewish with Christopher Waltz. I think somebody uh-huh. is there. But anyway, um, or Christoph Waltz, right? Christopher. But the, I think the difference is, you know, and um, is that Django is a much more developed African-American character the Jewish characters, even the even the woman, uh, Shoshana, who is like who created the this, you know, she's a definitely very striking, beautiful idea. But th- I, I found them stick figures. In other words, um, Brad Pitt's group of Jewish, uh, uh, you know, uh, dirty dozen guys who go around and kill them. They're all like so one dimensional. Whereas, yeah. whereas, whereas, so therefore, there wasn't. Really- no, you're right. The Jamie Foxx character was incredible. Right. This was a character you actually felt, and you saw his growth. The Samuel L. Jackson character was 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 really incredible. You know, the Uncle Tom was really oh, yeah. the ultimate the ultimate villain in it. I mean, the idea, you know, that uh, uh, you know, the, you really got the complexity of what slavery was about. As opposed to here, I think you got, you know, you didn't really get the, the Holocaust other than, you know, the intense, terrible evil. Uh, to me, you know, to me, the greatness of of Inglorious Bastards is two two scenes. The first scene is, of course, in the tavern. The tavern. Well, I'm going to get the tavern in a second. The first scene is just drinking the milk with the farmer. Um, that is yes. Christopher Waltz could package that and he could have been, you know, he right away, just the tension, what, what, what Tarantino is able to do there in terms of, um, you know, uh, of, 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 of saying something and meaning something else. And um, the the nicety of evil, the not the banality, but the uh, the sort of that is something which I think the other scene, of course, is the scene in the tavern where the jig is up for the um you know for the spies and they become exposed and the and the banter and the conversation there is really and then of course that's what Tarantino really loves doing um uh and you know and it's not it doesn't have to be laced with all the um four letter words as it is yes. in by um, the way just in, FYI while we you should just know uh Christopher Waltz is uh, from his first marriage he was married to a Jewish woman in uh in Austria and uh, they had three children. I don't, I'm just reading from a Times of Israel article. Uh, he has a son who's learning in yeshiva. Yes, I knew that. I thought, he has right. a son learning yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael. This was, at, this was as of uh, nine, eight years ago. He had a son who was learning in yeshiva. And he had a, he had a daughter uh, who also was, was he, he says Christoph, Christoph Waltz was going to Eretz Yisrael for his daughter's chasna. Yeah, I've, I've read this before. I bet you his yeah. son was a very good uh, in the Purim play, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm sure. We, we, we could have used them for our... Uh... Perhaps, perhaps our next conversation we should talk about. I think the, you raised an interesting question about the role of film in Holocaust education and the, also the extent to which people, kids, you know, I feel like to, to the extent to which we've seen a major sea change in the you know, the past 25 years that I've been in education in the way that kids respond to the Shoah. It's totally different. You see like a, a change in like, I feel like on the certain seams of history where, where it felt like it was 
genuinely part of people's lives to being more akin to like Hurban Beis Amikdash, like ancient history? A hundred percent. I think that uh, if we don't look, part of what you, is is dynamism. If we are stuck in certain modes of education or certain modes of 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 of, of instruction, we are missing the point, as as you say. Well, look, I guess that sort of wraps up our little review here at the, uh, yeah, I don't know which one of us was uh, Ebert and which one of us was Siskel, but mm-hmm. I would say, you know, the two, uh, that's a little nod to you, uh, Chicago fan. And uh, mm-hmm. all right, hopefully, John, we will be able to be back uh, soon, maybe post Purim or even perhaps where we can talk more good. about on principle challenges in Jewish education. Take care, everybody. Be well. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. Shalom Abrocha. It's been so long since I've done done this. You know, I, I'm not sure if I can do it, but I think we can get through it. Let me do that one more time. Hold on.